welcome to episode 174 of Swift Cats. This is Ashley. Steph. And Ashley. And we have a lot of exciting things to talk about. This is the last episode we will be recording before the show in Austin, and I cannot believe it. I know. Last week we were talking about when we actually bought our tickets for this, and it was definitely at the beginning of March. So this must have been announced around February, I think? I think that's right. So it's just crazy that we've been waiting so long and it's finally here. Even when I buy tickets for the tour, that always seems much closer. This felt like a far-off day that would never come. Yeah, maybe because we bought the tickets in the dead of winter. It just seemed like summer would never even come, let alone it'd be fall again. Right. Whereas with tour, we always buy tour tickets pretty much always in November. And for Red, the tour started in March. And so the last time that our group was all together was when we went to Tampa, and I was just telling Steph, like, that does not feel like a year. Not at all. But really, in just a few weeks, it will have been exactly one year since the final date for 1989 in the U.S., so, also, before we get into this episode, we wanted to give a little update on our giveaway. As you guys know, for about the past month, we've been giving away several copies of the book, Taylor Swift, This Is Our Song, the new book from Simon & Schuster. Uh, we've done giveaways on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our website. It's been really fun. And we just selected our final winner, and we had a bunch from last week that were contacted, but we didn't congratulate, so... We want to congratulate Nicole, Jen, Elizabeth, Rachel, Christina, and Amber. You guys have all gotten messages from us, and you're going to be getting your books soon, and we're excited for you to see it. And just thanks to everyone who participated. It was really fun just doing these giveaways and having questions that you had to submit and hearing from you guys through that. So we're going to be reading submissions from our last giveaway a little bit later in the episode because we got some really great responses there. And so, also, I just got back from a very intense concert weekend. Yeah, you had a crazy concert weekend. So basically, for the past few months, I had it on my calendar going to see Jimmy World, our good friends, in Cincinnati this weekend, which was on Saturday. And I was super pumped for that. I knew I would be driving quite a long way to go to the show, but they didn't have one for Chicago, so I was excited. And then, earlier this week... I randomly found out that One Republic was doing a very, very tiny show to celebrate their album release in Chicago on Friday night, and I was lucky enough to be able to get a ticket. So I went from that, like, nearly died, like, could not believe I was in the presence of Brian Tedder, went to bed for, like, a few hours, got up, drove to Cincinnati, saw Jimmy Eat World, went to bed for a few more hours, Drove all the way back to Chicago, and now I'm here doing this episode. <laughs> so what was One Republic like? They are on my bucket list to see. So I've seen them once before, which was two years ago at Ravinia, which if you guys don't know, is like this really big outdoor amphitheater near Chicago. And so I was really far away from the stage in that show. And it was still amazing because they just have so many hits. Kind of like Taylor, where even if you don't think you're going to know every song, once you go, you realize just how much their songs saturate the radio, and you know all of them. And so I really loved them from that, and I was just freaking out at the possibility of seeing them in such a small setting, and it really was incredible. It wasn't like exactly an acoustic show, but kind of. It was much more stripped down than what they do on their big tours. So what song did they open with they opened with love runs out oh i love that song yeah it was a really great opening and the crowd was just so pumped their album oh my my just came out last week so this was one of only three shows they were doing to celebrate the release they did new york and la and then chicago and ryan tedder talked to the crowd a lot during the show which was it's always a great addition to the show when people do that. And one of the things he said was that he felt like in their career, they started out playing like really tiny venues, like tiny clubs, and then quickly moved on to much larger venues. And he's like, I feel like we missed 
the in-between of playing these like mid-sized theaters and that's my favorite kind of venue to play so I made sure that we came to Chicago because I've always wanted to play at the Vic which is where we were. And you said that holds about how many? Um a couple thousand people. Oh. It's pretty small it's bigger than like a house of blues but very very small. There's a general admission floor and then there's some balcony seating right above it. So we were in the balcony, and we could see like we were in the front row. It's very small. Wow. So since this was a smaller show, did they have anything special with the set that they used? Well, they had a really cool laser light show, I guess. They must have like coordinated it really well with the theater because they had different like colored laser lighting for every show. It almost reminded me of the bracelets with Taylor because of how well it was timed with the music. Oh. And then very unexpectedly, like halfway through the show, they dropped a whole bunch of streamers from the ceiling. And then at the end, they had a huge confetti cannon and it was so fun. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was very unexpected. That's a lot for such a small venue. They played about 15 songs, and it went by way too quickly. I mean, I think they were on stage for about an hour and a half. And they did say that they're about to announce their big tour, so they said stay tuned for that, and it sounds like it's going to be getting announced very soon. And I would highly recommend anyone go to see them. I can't wait till they announce the tour. Didn't we see them for Jingle Ball? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I kept saying, is he going to do I Know Places? Right. <laughs> Which I said again at the show, and he didn't. We kept thinking when we went to see Jingle Ball in 2014, and Taylor was the final act, we thought that maybe she would have a special guest perform with her, and we all thought it would be Ryan Tedder. Unfortunately, we were not correct. And then when they did perform together at the Staples Center on the 1989 tour, they did Counting Stars, which looked amazing, but I still, it's, you know, you always want to see those collaborations performed together. Exactly. That's why we were so excited when Jack Antonoff was finally involved in the Out of the Woods performance for the Grammys. But he attended several 1989 shows, but didn't actually get on stage. So yeah, you always want to see the collaborators. And people in the crowd were sort of yelling out requests. A lot of the people were requesting songs that he has created, but not necessarily performed, because he's created so many pop hits, and you know, he started doing little snippets of some of them, and I really wanted to yell, I know places, but I just had a feeling he wouldn't do it. Wow, that sounds awesome. It was. I don't even know how I have a voice right now, honestly. <laughs> well, yeah, because you then went to see Jimmy Your World. Yeah, and it was so worth it. And so we actually interviewed Jimmy from Jimmy Eat World back in May of this year on episode 154. If you want to check that out, it was really fun. So I'm really jealous that you got to see them. I've actually never seen them perform live. Yeah, I've been a fan of theirs since basically I was in middle school and I've listened to all of their albums growing up and always been such a fan and I just somehow never got to see them. So this was so cool. They're also touring to promote their new album, which is called Integrity Blues, and it comes out this Friday. And so this set list was about 20 songs, which was really long and amazing. And about five of them were new, and the rest were old. So it was just awesome. They put on such an amazing show. They don't need any special effects, though they did have some cool lighting, but they don't need it. They're just true rock stars. And... Did you say you were right in the front for this one? I was, yeah. We were right at the barricade, and I don't think I knew how much I needed to see the middle performed live until I did. Did they place that at the end of the show? Yeah, that was their encore. Oh, great. And it was just everything I wanted it to be and more. And I feel like the crowd was about 50-50 on people that knew every single word and people that only knew the middle. So it was probably a long wait for those people. <laughs> Still, 20 songs is a great deal for your money. Yeah, and being up so close, you know, you could see they're under these very, very bright lights, and they were just sweating the entire time, and, like, I don't know how they do it. Like, they just give it everything they have. Especially a band like that, they don't really 
have breaks in between. No, not at all. So another one I would highly recommend anyone to see. They're touring for pretty much the rest of this year in various places and outside of the U.S. too. So I would tell you to go to JimmyEatWorld.com and see if they're coming because it was so cool. Yeah, it's always great when Taylor's on a break. I think we get a little bit bored, but we try to at least inform all of you about other acts you could see that are worthwhile. So I'm definitely excited to see One Republic and I don't think Jimmy Eat World is coming anywhere near me, but it sounds like I need to keep up to date with any added dates they have. You definitely do. And so aside from that, something really random came to my attention this weekend and I wanted to see what you guys thought about this. So obviously we all know the song, Everything Has Changed. I I, I assume you know it. (laughs) You've heard it. Yeah, I think we know that one. So that song was produced by a guy named Butch Walker, and if you don't know Butch Walker, you should look up his Wikipedia, because he's written for not even just every major pop artist, but like so many major artists in every genre. Anyway, so I was listening to an interview with him on my drive to Cincinnati. Um, It was a Billboard podcast where they just interview random people, and he was on telling all kinds of stories. And I found this so interesting. They're asking him about songs he's written and how the process works of him writing a song up until the point that someone records it. And he was talking about working with Fall Out Boy, and he was talking about specifically, my songs know what you did in the dark. And he said that he wrote that song, and a very, very major female pop artist was supposed to record it, and they couldn't make up their mind for a while, and finally they passed on it, and then it went to Fall Out Boy and was rearranged. Oh, wow. You know, I was just reading an article about how this guy, I didn't know his name, but how he wrote that song. And that song always reminds me of Taylor, because Taylor had Patrick Stump at MetLife during the Red Tour, and they performed that, and Taylor was constantly tweeting about how much she loved that song. I just wanted to ask you guys, do you think that she was the one who was supposed to record it? Maybe. She really, really loves the song. We know that. I wonder if she has a lot of regret if she was. Did he give any other hints at all? He emphasized several times very, very major artists. He was like, the biggest artist you could think of, basically, is what he said. I'm like, well, I feel like it has to be. I mean, when I think of the only other people you would describe that way, maybe like Lady Gaga or Katy Perry, maybe, but I can't see them recording it. Right, or even Adele or Beyonce. I guess it was a different arrangement because he said Fall Out Boy made it their own, but still, I don't know. To me, that seemed like Taylor. Well, that's really interesting. Maybe she felt like it didn't suit her style. Because this would have been when she was working on Red that he was doing it. Right, maybe she didn't think it fit with that. I could definitely see it, or could have seen it be um, a song for, for 1989, but if, yeah, if it was around Red, I don't think it would have suited around that time. Well, we know that she constantly talks about how she feels like Red wasn't sonically cohesive enough, so maybe that was like a struggle that she had, was trying to pick out songs that meshed together. And we could be wrong, and it could not be her, but I just thought it was such a funny coincidence that she did perform that with them and loves the song so much. Right. I think I remember her tweeting that she listened to it an insane number of times, like a hundred times or something. He also mentioned Taylor a couple of other times in this interview, including that he is now working with her former backup singer, Liz Hewitt, on her new album. Oh, you know, that's why I read this. I was reading about Liz. Was it a Billboard article? Maybe it was. I'll have to look it up again. Because I think this podcast interview was expanding off of the article. They kept referencing a recent interview. Oh, okay. Yeah, I definitely read that article. But I didn't catch anything about My Songs Know What You Did in the Dark other than he wrote it and Fall Out Boy did it. 
That's really interesting. Isn't it crazy how just like things connect together in the music industry? Well, yeah, things that we never knew. Uh, that's an older song. And he also talked about working with Taylor just in general and like when they first got to know each other and stuff. So it was a really interesting listen. So can we listen to that on iTunes then? Yeah, it's called the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. You can find it under that. And so they have their pop chart podcast episodes they put out on there every week. But this is like a special new series where they just interview a headliner. It's called the Headliner Interviews. And actually, this is like also crazy. The reason I got to this episode was because I had just downloaded their last one, which was the Jimmy World interview. So literally everything in my life right now is all connected. <laughs> That's funny. It made my drive more entertaining, definitely. So that was a very long-winded intro. I hope you guys are still with us. <laughs> we had a lot to discuss this episode in the intro. And any time that I'm not on for a week, I feel like I have so much to say, and I wasn't on last week, so. It's understandable. So now we're going to move into some older tweets, and we have a lot of great older tweets from Taylor starting in 2012. Yes, our first one is from October 12th of 2012, and Taylor tweeted, My dad's all, can you try using these new guitar picks? And I'm all, sure. I'm not picky. Then I'm all, get it? Ha 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 ha. <laughs> just, just like that. Some things never change with Taylor's dad and guitar picks. <laughs> Our next one is from October 13th. Taylor tweeted, My publicist describing the fashion direction of this shoot to me. It's supposed to be festive, but not Taylor Swift the Christmas Elf. I think everybody wants to see Taylor Swift the Christmas Elf. That one time she dressed up like the elf, was that just last year? I think it was, with Austin. She had the caption, you never call me on my elf phone, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our next one is from October 13th, 2014, captioned, is that a proper cat? And it's a photo of Olivia, like, posing like a model for the camera. And then Meredith is just slumped over behind her. Oh, and this is when she was quoting John Cleese because she did that interview in the UK and John Cleese was there and he said that. And didn't she say something like, oh, we don't want to go there right now. So, or no, but that was the same interview. It was the same interview when she was doing the RIP me talking about fans. Oh yeah, that was a great one. Yeah, you should look it up if you haven't seen that one. But John Cleese was kind of making fun of her cats well our next one is also cat related it's from october 15th of 2014 and taylor tweeted behold the diet coke ad that depicts my perfect world featuring a new song and olivia who is now a cat actress and this ad featured how you get the girl which was pretty exciting because at this point we were still waiting for 1989. And so we could hear these tiny bits of the song in the background. Yeah, this was a really cute ad for Diet Coke with all of the cats. And then Olivia at the very end next to the album cover. And our next tweet is actually from the very same day. Taylor tweeted, I wish I could dress my cats in Halloween costumes, but the one time I tried that, Meredith tried to jump off a balcony. <laughs> maybe she'll try again <laughs> this year and our last one was from just a year ago October 12th, 2015 Taylor said, tackling my former fear of horns, writing with magical image and heap, creating shake it off and clean, and this was a link to the kind of like secret session that she did where she sat on stage and explained the making of 1989 which I'm sure we all wish they could have been there that was just brilliant, I thought. The fact that she got everybody from the industry in one room and talked about the making of 1989. And then we even got to hear the demos for Shake It Off and Clean, which I really enjoyed. Just the kind of things that she records on her phones like we had on the deluxe album. Yeah, I really hope for her next album she has something like this, like a listening session and talks about how the album was made. 
Yeah, because I feel like we just don't get enough of that. I wish we had that for every album. Well, now we're going to be moving into our news for Keeping Up With Swift. Our first one is about how Taylor was out and about in New York City this past week. As we mentioned last week, we haven't seen Taylor too much. She's been keeping a little bit of a low profile, but she went to the Kings of Leon show in New York, and she was with a lot of her friends, Cara Delevingne, Lord, Suki Waterhouse, Martha Hunt, and Lily Donaldson. And of course, Taylor's friend Lily Aldridge is married to Caleb of Kings of Leon, and so Taylor's always been a fan. And it seemed like it probably was a great show with an intimate kind of a show, it seemed like to me. It sounds like it was like this One Republic show I went to for Kings of Leon. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and then um, Taylor posted about the new Kings of Leon album, and she said, I've been waiting for this album for so long, and it's insane. You need it in your life. I must admit, I really don't know too much of their music. Yeah, I only know what's on the radio. I definitely feel curious to check out more. Right, Taylor usually never steers us wrong when she recommends music, so I might need to take this advice to heart. Our last piece of news for this week is that Taylor made a generous donation to help small farmers with recovery in Louisiana from the recent flooding. Yeah, the efforts she's been making to help Louisiana just seem never-ending, which I think is great. She's been helping so many different organizations ever since this happened. Hopefully this upcoming week we'll have a little bit more news as she probably comes out of hiding and heads to Texas, but for now we're going to move into our mini-segment, which for this week is a little bit different. The last contest that we did for our giveaway of the Simon & Schuster book we asked you guys to comment and tell us your favorite Taylor song and why, and we got several great responses that we thought we should share in this episode. Yes, our first response was we had two people who said New Romantics. We had T. Swift Van City who said New Romantics because the best people in life are free and we deserve nothing but a free and beautiful life like Taylor. And then we also had Summer of Bands who said New Romantics because it gives off a very happy vibe that you can shake anything off to. Which I agree, it's a really great song. I think a lot of people always talk about how songs on the deluxe album should have made the main album. Yeah, I feel very lucky that she let it be a single. Absolutely, yeah. And the next song was Treacherous and... That was from Swiftastic13, and they said, I have so many memories that go along with that song. It always makes me feel better, no matter what. I think Treacherous is highly underrated. I feel like I say that about every song, but that song is so deep on so many different levels. Our next one is from Martha Hart's Tay, and they said, Tim McGraw, because it's what made me find Taylor in the first place. Which, yes, I agree. And our next one is two people tweeted us I Know Places. We have Harmony Coward said I Know Places. And Nicolee Jones said I Know Places because it has a lot of meaning in it and it's a beautiful song. And our next one is from Jim Bogard 13 Style, because I love the lyrics and the music makes me happy each time I listen to it. And then we had a couple of people that said Enchanted, and Lucy McKenna 37 said Enchanted because even after six years, I still get the chills from listening to it. And then we also had Wonderstruck TS who said Enchanted because it's my wedding song, which that's very cool. Oh yeah, that's awesome. I wonder if she means a walk down the aisle kind of song or a first dance song. A lot of people incorporate Taylor songs into their weddings, which I think is awesome. We also had two people select Long Live. We had Wild Eyes Swift said Long Live because we are like a big perfect family. And then we had Long Live Taylor 
who said long live because it's a song to the fans and you can hear the love she has for all of us in it and our last one was from at shining underscore swifty and they said mean because it gives me the confidence to be happy with myself those are all great responses and i loved reading all of them right it's just so difficult to select one i agree with all of these submissions well now it's time for our fashion section and we have just a couple of outfits this week since taylor wasn't spotted as much the first one that we have is when she was arriving at the kings of leon concert that was in new york on october 12th she had the elizabeth and james cine crocodile effect leather shoulder bag 445 dollars and then she had the Helmut Lang baby rib slash t-shirt, $160. She had the Stuart Weitzman rugged booties for $595. She had the Aritzia Wilfred Free Lyra skirt, $75. And as she was leaving the show, she also had with her the Alexander Wang boyfriend bomber jacket, which was $950, but it sold out. And then on October 13th, when Taylor was leaving the Bowery Ballroom, she was wearing the Van Crop sweater by Elizabeth and James, which is available in blue. Hers was more of a fall orangish kind of color, and that is $275. And with that, she wore black pants, which are by Frame, and they're called La High Skinny in Film Noir, and those are $200. And then for shoes, she wore Ralph Lauren Merrick calfskin booties, and those are $995. And then she carried an L.K. Bennett Carla shoulder bag, which is $395. And that's all we've got for fashion this week. But as always, you can visit tastehoodstyle.com for pictures of all these items. So for our main discussion... Our final main discussion before our immediate deaths in Austin. <laughs> we just felt like we needed to just take a moment, think about everything again, think about the past predictions we've made, and like give our final guesses, which unfortunately we won't hear from our other hosts tonight, but our predictions are probably right and theirs are probably wrong, so we'll just go with that. <laughs> I've like thought so much about this, I'm starting to feel like very confident but I also know I'll be wrong about everything. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. But I actually, I think I've been wrong. I feel like since this concert was announced, I've been saying she's going to use this to release a new album. And now I, I don't think that's happening. Meanwhile, people that all along were saying she's not releasing an album are now sure that she is. Right. It's completely unpredictable and we don't know what's going to happen. But for me, the reason why I'm backing off my theory is because Taylor just really hasn't been promoting this show that much. She did tweet about it for once last week. It was the first time she's acknowledged it. And if she were actually releasing a new album, I feel like she would try to hype it up a lot more. But the thing that really sealed it for me was people were asking the concert's organizers whether this concert will be streamed anywhere and it's definitely not being streamed anywhere and i think if she were using this as a platform to jump into a new album it would be streamed worldwide and she would use apple music to help her do that and so i do think there's a good potential for at least one new song a couple weeks ago i mentioned how ed sheeran played Tenerife Sea in October of 2013 when he played at MSG and then Multiply wasn't released until June of 2014 so I definitely think Taylor could be following a little bit in his footsteps and doing something sort of similar to that. I hope so because I mean I'll be fine no matter what just seeing Taylor. I just think that the more I think about it and the more I think about how well that worked for Ed and obviously they work together and she, I'm sure, trusts his decisions and has seen how it's worked for him. I think it could be really great because it breaks her pattern. The internet would explode just with any new song. Just knowing that she had performed something, it would gather so much attention and 
a slow, slow build up to an album versus like the eight week promotional cycle, I think would be perfect. I could even see her still making it a complete surprise. I'm not ruling that out, especially because she has this performance we talked about last week in February. She'll be performing in Houston the night before the Super Bowl. So we mentioned last week that we feel like something is up here, but I still think the album could be a complete surprise, but like Ashley just said, this would be a great way to have a slow but huge build toward that album. And anyway, so just in thinking more about the set list, we asked you guys on Facebook and Twitter, which song do you think she will open and close the show with? And I know that you guys talked last week about what you thought she would open with, but I think when you think about it, opening and closing, it sort of becomes easier to picture. So we got a lot of really interesting answers to that question. Our first one comes from Nadine Sunny one They said she would open with Shake It Off and close with We Are Never Getting Back Together. And last week we did talk about Shake It Off as a potential opener. I could see that. Well, Jin Giraffe on Twitter said, I think she'll open with our song or Tim McGraw and close with, hopefully, a new single. I could see that. Yeah, closing with a new single would be great. Although I I don't think she'll open with our song. I don't think so either. However, I also think she won't open with a song that she's opened a past tour with, and that eliminates so many good opening choices. You know, I'm sure I'll change my mind 50 times throughout the week, but like <laughs> as of this moment, I kind of feel like she could definitely open with Blank Space. You know, I've been thinking about that since we recorded last week, and I thought the same thing. And when I thought about the 1989 tour and how that song had, you know, the slow intro and then, like, the shadow and then, like, the first line, I think that would be perfect. Yeah, she could really build up something huge for coming onto the stage with Blank Space. And Blank Space was a huge song. It is the highest viewed video Taylor has ever had. And I don't know in terms of downloads what it is in comparison to Shake It Off, but I think it's clear that Shake It Off and Blank Space were the biggest songs from 1989. And I just had a vision. (laughs) I'm like, I feel like when I imagine these things, I start to get so confident and I shouldn't do that. But I just had this vision of at the very end of Blank Space, if she opened with it, her saying, I've got a Blank Space Texas or Blank Space Austin. And just, like, everyone exploding. (laughs) Yeah. Well, for 1989, she did the loop pedal with inserting the city's name. That was awesome. Yeah, I don't think she would do that again. No, but it would work well to use the city's name. Like, at the last line saying, I've got a blank space, Texas, and I'll write your name. Like, everyone will go so crazy. Well, see, now that you're saying that, I'm thinking about her AMA performance of Blank Space when she had the levitating table and all the different little sets with the picture frames and everything. I don't think she'll do that, but I have always wanted to see that live. That would be pretty neat. And so Barbie Bambi 7 said that she thought Taylor could open with our song. I just don't know. I mean... I could see why people might think that, and I think it would be good for her to open with an old song. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, we we really have no idea. Delgado underscore Rock also thinks that Taylor will open with an older song. They said she'll open with Fearless and close with Shake It Off, which Fearless was a huge album. It really propelled Taylor into what she is today. It was huge she won album of the year at the grammys for it she won entertainer of the year at the cmas so i don't know maybe she'll pay tribute to that album by playing the title track as an opener i think the song itself fearless might be too slow yeah it could be i had another thought what if just in the very first opening number, she does a crazy mashup of like four or five songs. <laughs> That's, I could definitely see that happening. But which songs? My answer to that would take two hours, <laughs> and I don't think anyone wants to listen. But just like as a, <laughs> as a concept, I feel like it could work. 
I picture there being an opening video sequence in the same sort of vein as the 22 video where it like shows her throughout the years kind of thing. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Or they could just bring back that same video. I'd be fine with that too. <laughs> um, I don't know. Cause I feel like there has to be a dramatic opening and this whole thing is sort of like we're traveling back in time to reflect on the past 10 years and, I guess even that is stuff that we've sort of made up and just assumed to be true, but that's that's my feeling. Right, we're just guessing that this is a Greatest Hits concert. She's never officially said it. It's just, it's kind of like it either is a new album concert or a Greatest Hits, because it's not going to be a repeat of any past tour. Exactly. So it's just by default, but I could see something like that. And it has been 10 years. It would be cool if she opened with a mashup of one song from each that's sort of what i meant yeah yeah and so the other thing i'm wondering that i just really started thinking about is that since this concert is taking place on october 22nd so it's the four year anniversary since red came out do you think red will have any special attention paid to it i hope so i think we were all disappointed because when taylor released 1989 she just seemed to say that she didn't think Red was that great, which it was. But we mentioned earlier in this episode how Taylor just said she didn't think it was that cohesive, and with 1989, she really just wanted a a cohesive album. And she said that when she lost Album of the Year for Red at the Grammys, she thought, well, that's it. I I didn't make the album of my career. And that, as Swifties, I think that upsets us, because Red is a fantastic album just because it didn't win album of the year doesn't mean it wasn't a masterpiece so i hope that she does i can definitely see before she goes into playing a song from red because i assume she'll do a good deal of talking to the crowd her saying something about that i remember i'm sure you guys probably remember I feel like both on the Red Tour and the 1989 tour when the anniversary of those albums rolled around and she had a show around that date, her saying, I released an album two years ago or a year ago. Did anyone buy it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we really don't know what to expect. I think when we talked about our predictions for this show back on episode 170, we did talk about each album. So it would be kind of interesting to see if she does this show album by album. I don't really think she will, but I'm just excited to see how it's laid out. And our next song was from Sammy and Maya, and they believe she'll open with New Romantics. Another strong possibility, definitely. Because I always felt like on the 1989 tour, even though it was the second song, I kind of felt like it was another opening. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it really did. Especially because of the way she had that break in it. Right. Even with how she says, she does the thing, I was born in 1989. (laughs) I love that part. I think that's what makes it feel like another opener for me. So Nicolae Jones said, blank space or bad blood, and I'm not sure which they meant for the opening or the closing, but I mean, I guess I'm just biased towards my own predictions, but I can't see bad blood, personally. No, I can't see bad blood either. I'm honestly not expecting Bad Blood to be performed. Yeah, I sort of feel like Bad Blood, it could be similar to a song like Forever and Always or Better Than Revenge or Innocent, where she's said her piece and she's moving on. But I don't know. It was a big song and the music video was huge. It won a Grammy. So we'll see. Our next one came from Liam on Facebook, who said... Open with You Belong With Me and close with Shake It Off. I think it would be cool if she did Shake It Off and then a surprise encore of Tim McGraw and Pitcher to Burn. Which, yeah, that would be cool. Although I categorize Pitcher to Burn along with the songs I just listed, Better Than Revenge, Innocent, those kinds of songs. I just don't see her performing Pitcher to Burn. (laughs) R.I.P. Yeah, it's a great song, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, I'd love for her to do, like, a full performance of Tim McGraw. Did she perform that as a, for 1989 at all? No. I'll be really disappointed if Tim McGraw is not played, if this is a Greatest Hits 
concert. I don't see how she could exclude it, though, really. Yeah, because I remember being at TMA Fest, and she started playing Tim McGraw, and then she, like, cut off, because then she introduced Tim McGraw coming out on stage, and then she didn't finish the song. Right, they did Highway Don't Care, right? Yes. I was also there, and just in that about 30 seconds of Tim McGraw that she played, I was sobbing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I love their performance of Highway Don't Care, and Keith Urban was also out on stage performing with them as well. But I would love to have seen, like, a full version of Tim McGraw, too. I do hope we see that. You guys will have to pick me up off the floor. (laughs) Another thing I was wondering about, I just wonder what you guys think, because it's so hard when you go to concerts to decide between taking pictures or even videos versus just watching the show. And I know I'm going to want to, but I feel like I shouldn't take any. Right. My... The way I approach that is I try to limit the video just to 30 seconds or 45 seconds, usually just a chorus or something. That way I'm not spending my whole time looking through a little camera screen and not actually getting to enjoy the show. But it is tough. Yeah, when you know that this show will never be reproduced again and very likely not even available to rewatch anywhere. I don't know. I'm worried. Because even when I go to shows that I only moderately like, I feel the need to take video. So I feel like I just need to decide that I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, it's a tough call. And our next submission was from Jamie on Facebook. And they said, I think she will open with Blank Space and end with New Romantics. I could see that. If anybody ends up being exactly right on both songs, they should win a prize from us. (laughs) I don't know if anybody will, though. She's a little smarter than all of us. (laughs) And so Emily Taylor said, I think she'll open with Welcome to New York and change it to Texas and hopefully close with a new single. I would be fine with that, too. Yeah, I could see those happening. And then finally, Alyssa on Facebook said, I would love for her to end with Shake It Off. As for the opening, it could go so many ways. It would be cool if she did something like 22 to open because it's Red's birthday and it's October 22nd. That would be. It's definitely a get the crowd pumped up song. It is. I just, I don't know if 22 is sort of like one of those songs I mentioned. I don't know if she'll perform it. She's almost 27 now. Isn't that crazy? That is insane. That's not possible. No way. (laughs) She is though. That's... I mean, she still does 15, but I feel like that's different. Right. I don't know. I think 22 will be included in this concert somehow. I think so, too. I don't think it'll be the opener, though. Now, something I just also pictured. My imagination is getting so vivid as it gets closer. Imagine if the opening was Taylor driving up to the stage in a race car. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know logistically like how that would be possible, but I feel like it would be since we're at the Solomon's big racetrack. I don't know. I feel like they could do it. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely another thing to think about. Like, how do we think she will enter the stage? Right. Uh, well, I know Luke Bryan has entered the stage on a big truck before. Imagine if Scott Borchetta was driving the race <laughs> Well... For me, I really like Ashley's idea about this video of going back in time. What a great dramatic opening that would be to go through Taylor performing Tim McGraw. Maybe we could finally see footage from when she performed at the Grand Old Opry. Oh my god. (laughs) And just kind of go through because this is huge. Taylor's been around for 10 years now. And I feel like I was thinking about this this week that with the anticipation for a new album, I feel like it's sort of been getting swept under the rug just how huge it is that she's been around for 10 years and what that really means. Right. And like we talked about last week, she signed a 10-year deal with AT&T, which would put Taylor at almost 37 in 10 years. Okay, I did not know. <laughs> That's... I didn't... Oh, wait, I did because Nate made that stupid joke. That's still crazy, though. I, like, didn't process that. 10 years? What? Okay. 
I don't even know what to think. I think it was a phone contract, like you said. <laughs> but as far as production elements for this show, I really don't know. I don't know if it will be more stripped down or if if she will have a race car on stage or is she going to be on a levitating stage like last time for 1989? Is she going to be flying around on something? I don't know. Do you guys think she'll have dancers? I think she won't. I think she won't. I think it will be the band and her backup singers. Her backup singers posted a photo one of them did on Instagram the other day of the group of singers hanging out together, so that was exciting. Oh, yeah. I couldn't see them not being there. What do you think? Do you think dancers will be there? I just don't think so. I don't know. I feel like what I'm excited about for this show is that the focus will be mainly on the songs themselves. Yeah, as far as the setup goes, I don't even think there's a place for a B stage, right? I don't think so. Not from what I understand. Yeah, I mean, because we haven't seen a setup of the stage yet, have we? Like a layout? Not of the actual shape of the stage, no. Yeah, because then you can kind of get an idea, I would think, if she would or wouldn't have her dancers. Because, I mean, like, if she has a catwalk in a large enough stage area, then I definitely could see her having the dancers. But I, I agree with both of y'all that I kind of don't think she's going to have the dancers there. Well, I also think that if she were having dancers, she would have been rehearsing way more. And she would have been flying under the radar this month even more than she already has been. She's been in New York a lot recently. And I think if she were having dancers, she would still be rehearsing up until the last minute. I think this will be more stripped down when you compare it to something like 1989 but speaking of stripped down do you think she's gonna sing songs acoustically i think absolutely i think so too but i don't think every song will be acoustic no i don't think so either but i would say i would expect more acoustic songs than we get in a normal show which i'm also very excited about it's just, when I think of acoustic songs, I think of her being on a B stage. And I don't think there's a B stage here. No, but I feel like she could easily, like, remember when she did Mean on the Red Tour and she would just kind of sit there in the middle of the stage and it wasn't completely acoustic. Right. So I, I feel like even on the main stage, she could still do it. That's a good point. Which songs do you think she would do an acoustic version for though for me tim mcgraw comes to mind i don't know because if you ask me which songs i would most want to hear acoustic i would say all of them (laughs) (laughs) yeah like there are very few if any songs of hers that i would say wouldn't make a good acoustic version they all pretty much would right and that's because she writes all of her own songs and usually starts it that way not always. Whenever we get an unexpected acoustic version of something, like, even Shake It Off, it's always incredible. Yeah. Even if it's a song that you feel like depends on the production, it still can stand up on its own. Right. When you have Shake It Off, a song with horns in it, but then you hear the acoustic version. Yeah, that's the great thing about Taylor's song. They really can stand on their own. So I don't know. I'm, I'm like Ashley. I would be thrilled to hear any song played acoustically well if you want to hear our other predictions about the show go back to episode 170 where we talked all about it and i feel like just since that episode for me at least a lot of my predictions have already changed so sorry that we waver a little bit but we really just don't know what to expect but the good news is that on episode 175 we're going to be talking all about austin i'm pretty excited to recap it with all of you I just feel like we're going to be sitting there like, what just happened? (laughs) And not even know where to start because we've never gone into a tour or a show without knowing some idea of what to expect. And even like when I was at the Jimmy Eat World show last night, you know, their set list was posted online and I looked at it. So that's kind of like your guideline. You know, you know what's coming up next and what to expect. And I'm really glad that we're not going to have that, but it's also sort of mind boggling. Yeah, it's really exciting because as Taylor fans, even all of us who try to save ourselves from being spoiled when Taylor's on tour, it's just really tough because 
if you even avoid social media, you still get snippets of her tour on news articles that you might accidentally see. So really, unless you go to the opening night of a tour, it's hard not to see even bits and pieces. But this is completely different. Well, I don't even know what to say to wrap this up other than that I'm very excited. I know you guys are too. I'm sort of like having fully processed what's about to happen to us. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like this week is going to go by really quickly and then Saturday's going to be here and gone before we know it. And like you said, we'll probably be in a state of like what just happened. Just a few reminders for you guys before we go. Hit the subscribe button on iTunes and that downloads our latest episodes for you automatically. And you can keep up with us on Twitter at SwiftCast13, also on Tumblr at SwiftCast13, we're at Instagram.com slash TheSwiftCast13, we're at Facebook.com slash TheSwiftCast. You can email us at TheSwiftCast13 at gmail.com, and all of this is also on our website at SwiftCast13.com. And normally we would say, what is Taylor going to do next week? But for once in the past year, we actually know kind of. (laughs) I think that we're going to get a lot of excitement from her on social media this week. I think she's been containing herself, and I think she's going to finally say a lot. I don't think she's going to just be silent this whole week up until she comes out on stage and then be like, great show tonight. I just don't see that. (laughs) Yeah, I hope that's true. It's just weird how silent she's been since the show was announced, so she's got to be getting excited, though. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed all of our predictions on this episode and on all of the weeks leading up to this show. We've just been so, so excited, and it still doesn't feel real. So we really love sharing in our excitement with all of you, and we can't wait to talk about it on next week's episode. So for now, this has been Ashley, Steph, and Ashley. And we'll see you next week if we make it out alive. (laughs) Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.